Welcome back, everybody, to the David Packman Show. Luke Beasley here, filling in for David while he is away. You may remember Ruby Freeman. She was an election worker in the state of Georgia and became the center of conspiracy theorists. Um, of course, from the MAGA right to Trump himself spreading these conspiracy theories, Rudy Giuliani, and uh, was accused of committing voter fraud in her role as an election worker. And of course, these claims were false, but the process kind of has to do what the process has to do. And so because these claims were being made and being uh, sent to authorities constantly, nonstop, in massive uh, proportions, the authorities, the Georgia State Election Board, in coordination with other entities, did an extensive investigation into a bunch of different claims about the 2020 election in the state of Georgia. And just now, Ruby Freeman and her daughter are being formally cleared. Previously, election officials were able to say there isn't any evidence at this time of what is being accused, but they do have to go through an investigation. And of course, it did yield the exact results that we would expect, which is no, these claims were false after an extensive investigation. And I use that wording because, I'm going to let me resituate this cord, because so many people will say, and then we'll dive into some of this uh, and look at a little bit of Ruby Freeman's testimony on the January 6th committee um, previously. So many people will say, oh, the reason fraud hasn't been uncovered is because it hasn't been investigated properly. Oh, it's because they haven't done uh, investigations of depth extensive enough to really uncover what's there. It's being hidden really effectively. So you have to do a really good investigation. But these claims get investigated. And we know after those extensive investigations that the claims are false. This is from NBC News. Years after their lives were turned upside down by conspiracy theorists, Ruby Freeman and her daughter, Wandrea Arche Moss, were officially cleared by Georgia authorities on Tuesday. And the impact on their lives was devastating. Georgia State Election Board dismissed its year-long investigation, years-long, I should say, investigation into alleged election fraud at the State Farm Arena in Atlanta more than two years after conspiracy theorists and then-President Donald Trump claimed that Freeman and her daughter had committed election fraud in the 2020 presidential election. The fraud claims were unsubstantiated and found to have no merit. The investigation concluded Reporting on the work of the FBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigations, and investigators from the Secretary of State's office vetting the alleged fraud. And then goes through, um, and we may read more from this article after taking a look at this clip. Um, this is Ruby Friedman in front of the January 6th Select Committee testifying about her experience having her life turned upside down because of these lies. I've lost my name and I've lost my reputation. I've lost my sense of security, all because a group of people starting with number 45 and his ally, Rudy Giuliani, decided to scapegoat me and my daughter, Shay, to push their own lies about how the presidential election was stolen. We're just gonna play the tape. There is nowhere I feel safe, nowhere. Do you know how it feels to have the president of the United States to target you? The president of the United States is supposed to represent every American, not to target one, but he targeted me. 
Lady Ruby, a small business owner, a mother, a proud American citizen who stand up to help Fulton County run an election in the middle of the pandemic. Mm. So a few things on this. The first is what I previously mentioned, which is uh, that, yes, these things are investigated. Yes, they're taken seriously, which is why we shouldn't have so many bogus claims being made, because then it wastes a whole lot of time and effort trying to go through and make sure they get properly and thoroughly debunked. Um, so that's number one. The claim of these things don't get investigated is just completely ludicrous. Number two is the impact on people's lives of these lies. It matters. It absolutely matters. And Ruby Freeman has had just a complete devastating situation in her life that was unnecessary because of these lies. Just trying to serve her local election process, doing her civic duty, uh, going above and beyond on that front, and then being targeted by the most powerful person on the planet just because he couldn't accept that he lost. And that brings us to the next point, which is that once again, we're reminded the danger of someone like Trump or Trump himself ever getting their hands on power again because of the anti-democratic views of this movement. And anyone can be thrown into um, the fire, whatever the phrase is, can be sacrificed. Um, their well-being can be sacrificed in the eyes of these anti-democratic leaders and anti-democratic um, supporters in the name of perpetuating this narrative. And so for her, it was, it was false. We're seeing now, as we knew before, but once again, after a years-long investigation, false, 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 but she had to have her life turned upside down because her life didn't matter as much uh, to the people making the claims as believing that Trump still won. And that is what is so um, horrifying. Just to give you a little bit more in case you're curious on this story, during their efforts to overturn the results of the election, Trump and his ally, Rudy Giuliani, repeatedly claimed that Freeman, Moss, uh, Freeman and Moss, I should say, had committed election fraud. And they had this heavily edited clip to try to make that point. And this is just super interesting to give you a sense of how these conspiracy theories um, explode. Giuliani said Freeman and Moss were passing USB drives like vials um, or heroin or of, of heroin or cocaine during ballot counting operations. Moss later explained her mother handed her a ginger mint during ballot counting. So you'll hear all of these stories of USB drives were being handed and that was an election fraud tactic somehow. Um, or suitcases of ballots were being set on the table. And if you dive into each individual one, you understand, oh, wait, what they're saying, either they're seeing something incorrectly or they're uh, seeing something correctly, but taking that to an incorrect conclusion. And this is how conspiracy theories spin off. This is how people buy into these claims despite there being no evidence. Well, something I've been following pretty closely on my show, you can find my show at Luke Beasley on YouTube, is the bonkers uh, hearings. I know David's been covering this too, that Republicans have been putting together in the House of Representatives, supposed to put forward some argument in each of these hearings and prove something and often attack President Biden. But so often the word that I would say characterizes these hearings from House Republicans is backfire. They keep backfiring. 
Um, and today is yet another example of this. This is from earlier in the week. I didn't have a chance to cover it on my show or the David Hackman show, so I'm going to circle back to it um, now as we close the week. And this had to do with John Durham, of course, the special counsel who investigated the investigators in regard to the Russia uh, pro Mueller investigation, Crossfire Hurricane. And as was reported on by David, by myself, it was a complete while there are things in there that you can find interesting and there are notable parts of this Durham report as a whole, especially when you set it next to what was promised from MAGA on this Durham uh, investigation, it was a nothing burger. And it was supposed to prove that there was this big conspiracy, at least in the eyes of MAGA, it was supposed to prove that there was a conspiracy to take down Trump by the FBI. And that's why the whole investigation into Russian interference started in the first place, when in reality, that's not the case. And that's not what Durham uncovered. And it mainly just uncovered mistakes that were made in the investigation. Fair enough. Make sure those get corrected. But clearly, there was good reason to investigate um, the connection between the Trump campaign and Russian government because of all that we know is present there, all the connections that were uncovered. But the hearing most recently, uh, led by Jim Jordan, didn't go too well, where they brought John Durham in front of the House Judiciary Committee to tout the success of this report, I guess. And I'll show you a couple right-wingers very angry about John Durham's investigation and this hearing specifically to give you a sense of how this isn't going as they probably wanted it to. This is Steve Bannon first, and then we'll get into Democrats making some great points. Right. I mean, yesterday, Jordan was pathetic. He tried to make Clark. Did he try to Saint Durham? Did he try to make uh, Durham Saint Durham? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know. They so that's him saying Jim Jordan was pathetic, who was leading the hearing. That's not what you want to hear from a right winger after one of these political stunt hearings. Um, and then this is Matt Gates questioning Durham, and Matt Gates is saying that Durham's investigation was a failure, but for the opposite reason, probably than you and I would think. Matt Gates thinks that Durham didn't uncover what's there. We realize he didn't uncover what wasn't there. Um, but here's this exchange. I think that's beyond the scope of what's in the report. It's literally the scope of what your charging order is. Who put it in motion? We get after it was put in motion, the FBI did a bunch of wrong and corrupt things. Totally understand, we're trying to deal with that. But when you are part of the cover-up, Mr. Durham, mm. then it makes our job harder. Yeah, well, if that's your thought, I mean, there's no way of dissuading you from that. I can tell you that it's offensive and that the people who worked on this investigation have spent their lives trying to protect the people in this country and pursue within the law what it is that we, two, can, we are authorized Durham, to do. You tried two cases, lost both of them, and then the one plea, guilty plea you got, Kleinsmith, Kleinsmith is back to practicing law in Washington, D.C. today. Yeah, that's beyond my control. Right, but, but the, f the fact that you allowed that plea to occur, right, and, and then the punishment was insufficient, the fact that you didn't, you didn't charge Andrew McCabe, you didn't convict the lion Democrats or the lion Russians, you didn't investigate Mifsud or the Mueller probe, even though, as we sit here today in black letter, that was your charge. Have you ever heard of the Washington Generals? The Washington Generals, yes. Yeah, and, and they're the team that basically gets paid to show up and lose, right? Okay, so again, Matt Gates is coming at a very different perspective, and I would say probably rather dishonest one, but he's recognizing the failure of um, this Durham 
investigation because he didn't really uncover anything that wasn't already covered by the inspector general's uh, investigation and the Mueller investigation. And I think any reasonable person would say, if you analyze the facts of both of those um, investigations and just the whole situation kind of zoomed out, there was definitely reason to investigate the connection and Russian interference. And then we find that there isn't evidence of Trump directly coordinating with the Russian government. That's what investigations are for. And if there's not investigation of that, or if there's not proof of that uncovered in the investigation, then um, so be it and follow the facts. And then mistakes were made. Fair enough to criticize. But this idea that, number one, there was nothing to be looked into by the FBI and then by Mueller leading that FBI investigation um, with all of the convictions that Mueller got. And... Number two, that this was a conspiracy with the Democrats to take down Trump, um, rather dishonest. And then I have for you, Adam, shift during this hearing. Well, your report, Mr. Durham, doesn't dispute anything Mueller found, did it? No, our, our object, our aim was not to dispute Director Mueller. I have the greatest regard, highest regard for Director Mueller. He's a patriot. The only distinguishment between his investigation and yours <coughs> is he refused to bring charges where he couldn't prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, and you did. And I've noted this in the past when covering the Durham report, but um, as you've probably heard as well multiple times, Durham brought two cases to trial, and both of them uh, ended in acquittal and last clip we'll look at just because both for the sake of this hearing making sure the attempt by the right to make the Durham report something that it's not and also just because it's representative of how all of these political stunt hearings aren't going well for uh, the Republican Party I'll show you one more clip of Ted Lieu now Mr. Durham I'd like to ask you the following simple yes or no questions Trump's former campaign chairman Paul Manafort was convicted correct I'm sorry, could you just repeat that? Yeah, Trump's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, was convicted, correct? That's correct. Not Trump's former foreign policy powers. advisor to the campaign, George Papadopoulos, was convicted, correct? That's correct. Trump's former deputy campaign manager, Rick Gates, was convicted, correct? Not in connection with the okay, Russian Trump's. Man. All right. Mr. Durham, you can hold yourself out as an objective Department of Justice official or as a partisan hack. And the more that you try to spin the facts and not answer my questions, you sound like the latter. So I'm just going to ask this simply. Trump's former national security advisor, Michael Flynn, was convicted, correct? That's correct. Trump's longtime advisor, Roger Stone, was convicted, correct? I'm sorry, missed the last Trump's thing Trump's longtime advisor, Roger Stone, was convicted, correct? Correct. In contrast to multiple Trump associates who were convicted, you brought two cases to jury trial based on this investigation, and you lost both. And so I don't actually know what we're doing here because the author of the Durham report concedes that the FBI had enough information to investigate. And thank goodness the FBI did because multiple Trump associates who committed crimes were held accountable. We'll stop it there, but great points. And I really do wish that the specifics of the claims could be meaningfully broken down with a lot of these people. Um, I'm imagining myself having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone who believes the FBI is being weaponized against the conservatives and just go one by one. We went through yesterday and 
likely we'll talk a little bit more about it today the claims being made about hunter biden being treated with kid clubs and if you walk through the deal that he got it's very uh expected very historically consistent and uh same thing here where in any extensive investigation can you find problems and mistakes that were made a hundred percent but does that mean that it lives up to the claim that was made about the purpose of and the way the fbi went about their investigation into the trump campaign the connection with russia russian interference and all of that no and so a lot of the the layers as i mentioned yesterday that are being um, laid on to one another that build the narrative in a lot of people's mind that this is the reality two-tier justice system that targets conservatives helps democrats it's um, each layer if you discuss it one-on-one -on -one, it feels like a lot to them but if you go one-on-one -on -one, you realize um, it isn't what they think that it is make sure you are uh, subscribed to the david Pakman show channel and my channel on youtube luke beasley whether you're a carpenter, painter, or just want to be prepared for emergencies, if you need a gas mask or respirator, go to our sponsor, Parcel Safety. As many of you know, I'm into emergency preparedness, not crazy prepping, but I want to have some food stored, some supplies. I've talked about water and multiple respirators are part of that because it's just a staple of being prepared. Respirator sales have been way up in recent years natural disasters, wildfires, polluted air, chemical plant accidents, unrest of different kinds, militarized police, all sorts of different reasons. You never know when a respirator or a gas mask from Parcel Safety might come in handy, and it could be when you least expect it. Parcel Safety respirators are also perfect for professionals, contractors, painters, people doing DIY projects at home. All of Parcel Safety's respirators come with a one year manufacturer's warranty. Every respirator or gas mask comes with a filter, competitive prices, large discounts for organizations and outstanding customer service. To be totally honest, I've said before, I'm using these for changing baby diapers. It, I, people think I'm kidding and then they come visit me and I really am not. It, it actually is very useful to other parents out there. I do recommend it. Go to davidpackmancom slash safety. Use the code Pacman for 25% off your first order. That's davidpackmancom slash safety. Code Pacman saves you 25%. The info is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. 
Go to betterhelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better H E L P.com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is Wild Health, founded by two emergency room physicians. What Wild Health does is take your genetics and biometrics and lifestyle data and give you tailored suggestions to your particular situation as far as nutrition, exercise, sleep and more. The idea being to help you function at your best in a way that's actually tailored to you. You might have a specific health goal. You want to sleep better or lose weight or stay healthy, feel good, be more active. Wild Health will tailor a care plan with lifestyle interventions instead of pills, which I always prefer as an approach. Wild Health pairs you with a care team. It includes a board certified precision medicine physician who you can message anytime through the app and their newly launched premium program actually goes further offering concierge medicine with over 15 specialized testing options. You can look at epigenetics, a coronary CT scan and many other things. The results are compelling. Many patients have seen improvements to diabetic markers or reducing risk of cardiovascular disease and more. Wild Health has 10 new spots in their premium program for my audience. Go to wildhealth.com slash premium to apply for membership. That's W I L D health dot com slash premium. The link is in the podcast notes. Well, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the Republican primary. DeSantis got asked about uh, the hypothetical of if Trump ends up winning the primary, as right now he seems poised to do, would DeSantis endorse him, support him in the general election? Um, And as you can probably expect, DeSantis dodged the question and started talking about his handling of COVID and Trump saying that New York handled it better. Um, But we'll discuss this after taking a look. Um, Regardless of his attacks, will you 100% pledge to support Trump as a GOP nominee? So what I would say is this. um, When you are saying that Cuomo did better on COVID than Florida did, you are revealing yourself to just be full of it. Nobody believes that. And you know why? And you know why I know that? Because. Okay, a couple of things, then we'll continue. This is surface level. This is not super important, but it does have an effect in politics. Number one, he always gets noticeably nervous when he gets asked about Trump. I can kind of a little bit hear his breath gets a little. Um, whatever you call that. And also, uh, people will criticize him for this. And I didn't think about it that much until now. He really does have this really whiny tone of voice, but that's less important. Continuing. As I remember in 2020 and 2021, when he was praising Florida for being open, saying we did it much better than New York and Michigan, and everyone was coming to Florida, and that we were one of the great governors in the United States. And he used to say that all the time. Now, all of a sudden, his tune is changing. And I would just tell people, do you find it credible? Do you honestly find it credible? Would you have rather been in New York during COVID under Cuomo regime? Or would you rather have been in the free state of Florida? And I probably can count the number of Republicans on my hand in the nation 
who would have rather been under Cuomo in New York, and we know that. And so these are just uh, frivolous criticisms. But uh, in some respects, I think it shows that you know if you have to make that argument, then you probably don't have very good arguments because the reality is everything he said about us for years, about how strong we were, how good we were, how we've delivered for the state, uh, those happen to be true. And now he's trying to backtrack because he you know, views he needs to do that. And he's saying things. Okay, so I know David has uh, done deep dives into kind of the way that DeSantis blows out of proportion, how good Florida has done, and honestly, a lot of metrics, but COVID uh, included. And DeSantis' governance would be a disaster nationwide and all of that. So we'll set that aside. But to the point of, oh, Trump said all these good things about me and now he's not. Can you believe it? Yeah, you lined up behind a guy who understands nothing about actual meaningful, um, healthy loyalty and um, cares only about someone as far as they can further his own goals. So that's very unsurprising. But DeSantis did the same thing, right? DeSantis was doing that campaign ad, so cringy, saying, uh, I, I don't know exactly the specifics of the ad, but um, you'll m remember he's sitting with a book, reading to his child, and uh, make America great again, and essentially indoctrinating his child into being a Trump supporter, showing the supporters in Florida, I guess, that I would be a good candidate because I love Trump so much and I'm teaching my child to be like Trump. And now he doesn't have that same um, tone when talking about Trump. Of course, that's what happens constantly in politics, especially with people that don't actually care about the people they purport to um, unless they're they're helping themselves politically. But as far as polling right now, will DeSantis have to make the decision as far as supporting Trump or not supporting Trump in the general election? Probably he will based on polling Right now, uh, 538 has Trump at a 52.5% average, uh, percentage point average there, and then Santos is down at 21.3%, and then everyone else way lower. So, especially in past primary times, could DeSantis make up that difference? Could a candidate at 21% end up jumping up and beating someone who was at 52%? Sure. But because of how well known and how um, set in the feelings about these two candidates and Trump in particular, this particular primary is and the followers of these different individuals um, really have a sense of especially who Trump is, the likelihood of a massive shift is uh, lesser. It is not as likely that will happen, whereas other primaries there's a lot of less known or a lot of candidates that people aren't yet set in their feelings about. And so big shifts really can happen, especially this far out from the actual election um, after debates and after lots of campaigning and all of that. But this is a very different situation. So likely very soon, DeSantis will have to make a decision about if he supports Trump in a general. And I can tell you almost 100 percent that he will support Trump if Trump's the nominee against Biden. That's just how these things work, unfortunately. We move from DeSantis to Trump himself, and uh, more specifically his true social activity. Donald Trump posts these video statements talking about different things, um, often ranting about different 
subjects. This is kind of, I guess, his primary form of <laughs> campaigning because most of the time he's just golfing. And this one on True Social that we'll watch is titled, Sometimes You Have to Put Them in Their Place. And it's him lashing out at the lower poll number uh, candidates in the GOP primary field right now. And I guess answering the question that he feels he's getting asked of why are you attacking people who have really low poll numbers? Ignore them. And he's saying, this is why um, in, in traditional bunkers, deranged Trump fashion. Say don't punch down when talking about people like Chris Sununu or sloppy Chris Christie or Ada Hutchinson, I call him Ada, not Asa because of certain reasons or others, but sometimes it's necessary to talk badly about those that, for no reason other than politics, speak badly about you. Otherwise, the people that love you don't know whether or not they're for real. Are they saying the truth? They're not. So sometimes you have to punch down and you have to say what's happening. Otherwise, they won't understand. It's not fair to them. You have to put them in proper perspective, these bad people. You have to put them in their place. People like this are very destructive. And you have to tell the voters what it's all about. Otherwise, why should they be able to understand it? Thank you very much. So what he really means, because I agree that you have to tell voters why you're better than other candidates. But what he really means in punching down is he has to scream that uh, someone like Chris Christie is really dishonest and is sloppy Chris Christie. Such a strange, let me get this People next. forget that. Oh, apologies guys, get this next video queued up for you. Um, he has to say all of that because as he said, otherwise people might think that Chris Christie's statements about Trump might be for real. And this is Trump's whole playbook. Anyone who says something slightly negative has to become an enemy because then in the minds of his followers, it's really easy to think, okay, I don't have to listen to the very accurate criticisms coming from Chris Christie because he's an enemy. He's in the enemy category. He's sloppy Chris Christie. <laughs> Such a strange nickname or Ada Hutch Hutchinson or whoever. Um, and that's why he has to do that because often they're saying very, when these Republicans finally turn on Trump, they'll say things that do need to be heard by Trump's followers, rare things being said by people, at least um, rare things to hear within the GOP about Trump that are accurate, his threat to so many things, our democratic institutions being such a prominent example. And finally, someone in the primary field like Chris Christie is calling that out and others. Um, and then this was on Ron DeSantis specifically that Ron DeSanctimonious was a big lockdown man. Here, let me start this from the beginning. People forget that Ron DeSanctimonious was a big lockdown man early on as governor. He locked it down, and other governors that were Republican of nature did not lock down. If you look at South Carolina and Tennessee and South Dakota and others, they didn't lock down, but Florida was locked down. He locked it down. Okay, we'll stop that one there. Uh... It's interesting, we talked about yesterday, the very concerning um, characteristic of this primary that's getting developed, where 
DeSantis and Trump are going to try to argue over who was the most irresponsible in their handling of COVID, who rejected the science the most, um, who was against taking precaution. And did we take incorrect ones here and there? And did tons of politicians make bad decisions and hypocritical decisions and all of that? Yes. But does that mean we should have gone radically in the direction that maybe DeSantis wishes the country had gone? Uh, no. And now, because DeSantis' attack line against Trump is he was too pro-Fauci and he was pro-lockdown, Trump has to turn around and go, no, DeSantis was, and they have to argue about who took the science the least seriously, which is a really strange, um, strange thing to be developing. Quickly, just to wrap up our discussion about this primary, um, the indictment, interestingly, the, se the second indictment, the federal one, is having an effect on the Republican primary, not in a huge way, but at least in some way that is negative. So this is from CNN. Uh, Foreign President Donald Trump's support appears to have softened following his indictment and arrest on federal charges, according to a new CNN poll conducted by SSRS. And we'll look at first the whole country and then the GOP specifically. Most Americans approve of Trump's indictment stemming from his alleged mishandling of classified documents after leaving office, even as 71% say politics played a role in that charging decision. Though Trump continues to lead the GOP field by a wide margin in the race for the Republican Party's nomination for president, the poll suggests that his support has declined as have positive views of him among Republican and Republican-leading voters, nearly a quarter now say they would not consider backing his candidacy under any circumstances. The survey also finds that those GOP-aligned voters not currently backing his 2024 bid have different views on his indictment and behavior than those in his corner. That's pretty obvious. And then here's the notable part. Overall, 47% of Republicans and Republican-leading registered voters say Trump is their first choice in the party's nomination for president, down 53% in a May CNN poll. Um, in additional decline in support for Trump's candidacy, his favorability rating among Republican-aligned voters has dipped from 77% in May to 67% now. So you're seeing shifts um, in the GOP, and that could be in part one of the most notable things that has changed over the last few months is Trump's legal troubles. And so maybe the idea of having even possibly a convicted felon as your candidate isn't so appealing to some Republicans, even though many of them, as I very much witnessed um, at his arrest and arraignment outside the Miami federal courthouse uh, a couple weeks ago, many of them still are very much on board. One lady said, I would vote for him even if he's in jail. I don't care. But some are shifting, and that's good to see. Former President Barack Obama um, did an interview recently on CNN, and one of the moments caught a lot of people's eyes and uh, it was pretty interesting. I'll show it to you. It's on the subject of the threat to democracy that is currently so present, especially because of the MAGA movement within the uh, United States right now and within the Republican Party specifically. And uh, Barack Obama responded to that saying this. Creaky or not institutions in the United States. Yeah. The spectacle of a former president being uh, federally indicted. Mm -hmm. How is the rest of the world the democratic world, maybe even the non-democratic world, meant to interpret that indictment and indeed the fact that a federal indictee is running, is able to run for the highest office in the land, maybe even the world? Uh, it's less than ideal. Right? But uh, the fact that uh, we have a former president who 
uh, is having to answer uh, uh, to charges brought by prosecutors does uphold the basic. And you see the lower third is talking about the state of democracy. We'll get to that specific topic to, uh, topic in a second. The notion that nobody's above the law. Uh, and the allegations will now be sorted out uh, through a, a, a court process. Uh, and I, th I, I'm, I think I'm more concerned when it comes to the United States with the fact that not just one particular individual is you know, uh, being accused of, of uh, undermining existing laws, but that more broadly we've seen, uh, whether it's through the gerrymandering of districts, whether it's uh, you know, trying to silence critics uh, through uh, changes in legislative process, whether it's um, attempts to uh, intimidate the press, uh, a strand of anti-democratic sentiment that uh, you know, we've seen in, in the United States. It's something that is right now most prominent in the, in the Republican Party, but I don't think it's um, uh, something that uh, is unique to one party. I think th there is a, a less tolerance for ideas that don't um, suit us. And it, it, sort of the habits of, of a free and open exchange of ideas and the idea that um, you know, we all agree to the rules of the game and even if the outcomes aren't always the ones we like, we still abide by those rules. I think that's weakened. Uh, since so the interesting part is that he throws in, and I think it's accurate, but within the context of how present it is on the right right now, um, throwing in that this isn't unique to one party is definitely an interesting sentiment. Because I do think there's there's truth to, number one, anyone can be susceptible to prioritizing power and um, the ambition for a position of power over respect for um democratic institutions and the democratic process that and i think recognizing that is important to make sure that people don't fall into that um to make sure that people who support democracy now stick to that even when we really want to win i think that's really important it's always important to make sure we don't both sides sometimes right-wingers will say well people said that hillary should have won in 2016 that's the same thing as um what's going on now or People talked about Russian interference. That's the same thing as what's going on now. It's not even comparable. There's a big difference between questioning in a general sense, was this fair? If this had been different, would this person have won? And saying our election systems aren't working. Like our election processes with the workers and the um, casting of the ballot, that is being uh, incorrectly run or there's fraud involved. Because then you're telling people, that their voice doesn't matter and uh, it's being decided kind of on high or some corrupt group of people or some conspiracy is deciding it, and that definitely guts the legitimacy of democracy and so I don't think ever throwing into the same box the two things is fair but I do think saying the ambition for power especially in a time where we're so divided and as Obama was saying there um, we're getting less and less willing to hear each other out as fighters for and supporters of protecting our democracy. We have to commit to making sure that 
never does the ambition for power become more important than the importance of uh, protecting the institutions. And it is wild that we're in a moment right now where this is what we have to discuss. For so long, I think we took for granted our uh, democratic institutions. We assumed with whatever is going on, our democratic institutions will continue to function. But now, both with the election denying and the attempts to keep Trump president and all that has spun off of that, but also, once again, contending with how anti-democratic something like gerrymandering is. And that is done on both sides to different extents. It's quite the moment, and hopefully this reckoning and the negative parts of this moment will motivate uh, will be a launch pad for a lot of us to improve those systems. And it is something that I deal with on a smaller level, not denying elections or trying to overthrow elections. But gerrymandering is a good example. Where do you stand on? Do you gerrymander to get the correct people into power so that they can implement laws to ban gerrymandering? Or do you not play that game and get crushed by Republicans? And it's it's tough. And there's definitely a balancing act there. Let me know what you think of all this in the comments of this video and make sure you are subscribed to my YouTube channel at Luke Beasley on YouTube. I love a good sauna after a workout, after a stressful or long day, you get in the sauna to unwind. The blood vessels dilate, your heart rate goes up, it can soothe muscles and more. Now you can enjoy the same effects from the comfort of your home without a bunch of strangers walking around, which I personally am not big on. Our sponsor, Bond Charge, makes the world's safest and most advanced sauna blanket, and it's tremendous. I love getting in there for reading or get a little work done, a little meditation, take a nap. Just gets you really relaxed, super easy to clean really compact, lightweight design, simple to fold up and put away when you're done with it. And it comes with a 12 month warranty. If you don't love it, returns are really easy. No questions asked. Go to bondcharge.com slash Pacman. Use the code Pacman for 15 percent off. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E dot com slash Pacman and get 15 percent off with code Pacman. The info is in the podcast notes. Welcome back, everybody, to the show. Luke Beasley here filling in for David while he is away. I talked about on yesterday's bonus show the fact that Adam Schiff was censured by the Republican Party and the House of Representatives for his role in investigating Donald Trump. Yet another, as I mentioned yesterday, distraction attempt to take the attention away from the chaos that is their own party and the chaos that is Trump, the leading uh, candidate right now within their party's presidential primary. Um, and so instead, it has to be something like this and an attempt to show the base once again, we're still pro Trump. Well, I want to look at some remarks that Adam Schiff delivered um, when he had a chance to talk, responding to this effort and uh, some really good stuff. Before we do that, though, this is from The New York Times. The GOP-led House formally censured Representative Adam B. Schiff, Democrat of California, on Wednesday over his role investigating former President Donald J. Trump, the first in what could be a series of votes seeking to punish those whom Republicans have deemed the party's enemies. The censure passed by a party line vote of 213 to 200. 
and nine with six Republicans voting present. The measures had the backing of Speaker Kevin McCarthy after its lead sponsor, Representative Anna Paulina Luna, a Republican of Florida, altered its language to remove a multi-million dollar fine some Republicans viewed as unconstitutional. So with that being said, uh, here's this from Adam Schiff. To my Republican colleagues who introduced this resolution, I thank you. You honor me with your enmity. You flatter me with this falsehood. You who are the authors of a big lie about the last election must condemn the truth tellers and I stand proudly before you. Your words tell me that I have been effective in the defense of our democracy and I am grateful. And yet this false and defamatory resolution comes at a considerable cost to the country and to the Congress. At a moment when millions of people in our home state of California are unable to find a place to live or afford a place to live, Speaker McCarthy chooses to occupy the resources of Congress for two straight weeks on this hollow sop to the MAGA crowd. He offers nothing to those who are homeless or addicted to opioids or to millions of college students mired in debt but this paltry distraction. Donald Trump is under indictment for actions that jeopardize our national security, and McCarthy would spend the nation's time on petty political payback, thinking he can censure or fine Trump's opposition into submission. Mm. We'll stop that one there. And before discussing further, I'll show you one more from this bit of remarks. No matter how many false justifications or slanders you level against me, you but indict yourselves. As Liz Cheney said, there will come a day when Donald Trump is gone, but your dishonor will remain. This resolution attacks me for initiating an investigation into Trump campaign solicitation and acceptance of Russian help in the 2016 election. Even though the investigation was first led not by me, but by a Republican chairman. It would hold that when you give internal campaign polling data and you're uh, polling data to a Russian intelligence operative, while Russian intelligence is helping your campaign, as Trump's campaign chairman did, that you must not call that collusion, though that is its... And you've heard him make that case before. We'll stop that one there. So a couple things on this. First off, the reference to Liz Cheney saying, there'll come a day when Donald Trump is gone, but your dishonor will remain. That is just so applicable to the modern day Republican Party. It has done so much to destroy itself in its own integrity for the purpose of supporting Trump. And right now that's helping a lot of people be politically successful, I guess. I mean, also losing a lot, but um, some individuals get the support of the base because they do that. So it might seem reasonable in their eyes, but one day Trump will be gone. And only as was said, the dishonor um, the humiliation that was this part of American history, this part of the Republican Party being the MAGA GOP, that's what will be remembered. And that should horrify these individuals who are going along with this movement. The other thing is uh, Adam Schiff used the word multiple times, I think, distraction. And something I talk a lot about on my own show, uh, you can find that at Luke Beasley on YouTube, is distraction, the distraction politics that is played by the Republican Party. And the reality that because right now the modern uh, Republican Party is putting forward policies that just 
when they do put them forward explicitly, that just aren't beneficial to the lives of their own constituents in large part. I mean, what is the big economic accomplishment for the most part over the last multiple decades from Republican administrations and Congresses? Tax cuts, right? Tax cuts for the wealthy. Um, and so often their governance just serves to make the powerful more powerful and the wealthy more wealthy. And they aren't more fiscally responsible while doing so. When you look at the record comparing different parties in recent history and they aren't better for the economy, looking at pretty much every metric we use to measure the economy over the last hundred years or something. And so with both of those in mind and the fact that their policies aren't directed most of the time, um, at benefiting the lives of the working class why would people vote for them why on earth would people vote for them well it's because they're effective at branding one of the things i also say a lot is the gop is really effective at one thing and that's branding and they're really good at bumper sticker politics making some message solidifying down a message into something that resonates with people but often doesn't actually reflect an authentic um, policy proposal that would benefit that person's life so um, with all of that in mind, the way that they get people to continue supporting them and thinking that they're uh, fighting in the interest of them, when in reality, they're just assisting and making the wealthy more wealthy and the powerful more powerful while demonizing tons of people and all of that, um, is by doing the distractions. It's by doing stuff like this. So people go, yes, they're standing up for Trump or by dehumanizing and demonizing so many populations of people are saying woke 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 wait it's the biggest threat to america woke 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 and on and on it goes if you're focused on that you're less focused on their lack of actual policy uh proposals that would benefit your life speaker of the house kevin mccarthy responded to the hunter biden uh plea agreement and uh, we talked about this on yesterday's show hunter biden is expected to plead guilty to two misdemeanor charges in relation to not paying his taxes. Um, he since has paid them back, but not paying them for a time there. And then he will get one felony gun-related charge dismissed. He lied on a form saying he wasn't addicted to a controlled substance to get a gun when he was. And that will be dismissed if he follows through with certain guidelines. And the narrative from the right, as we talked about yesterday, has been sweetheart deal. This is a sweetheart deal. And we're kind of wrapping up the week. Some going back to some clips, I didn't have a chance to talk about this being one of them, just because of the dishonesty that is gushing out of Kevin McCarthy. It's notable that this is how dishonest so many people have to be to cover for Trump and their narrative that uh, there's this two tier justice system hurting people like Trump. So here's the first clip. We'll look at reaction is it continues to show the two-tier system in America. If you are the president's leading political opponent, the DOJ tries to literally put you in jail and give you prison time. If you are the president's son, you get a sweetheart deal. Now this does nothing to our investigation. It actually should enhance our investigation because the DOJ should not be able to withhold any information now saying that because of pending investigation, they should be able to provide Chairman Comer with any information that he requires. So you heard him say, the fact that the DOJ would try to put the political opponent of the president in jail while giving a sweetheart deal to Hunter Biden um, proves the two-tier justice system talking point we've been perpetuating which we'll talk about Trump, but I'll show this clip. I think I showed this uh, one yesterday once again to remind you that that talking point of sweetheart deal is not accurate. Then we'll circle back to the Trump component. Obviously, 
you're already hearing a lot of shouting, oh, sweetheart deal, oh, this, oh, that. None of us really knows the details of the possible charges here and exactly what was agreed to as part of this plea, Jennifer. But how, do, how does one assess whether this is the type of deal that a normal person, not a president's child, would get in this circumstance. So you would look to other similar cases, right? So on the gun uh, form charge, it's very, very standard for someone in this situation who lies on the form because they're an addict. The gun is long gone, apparently only had it for a couple of weeks. It's very standard in these circumstances for this diversion to occur and to, to wipe out the charges, assuming he successfully completes it. So that's totally standard. Mm -hmm. And the tax fraud is, is similar as well. I mean, he paid those taxes back a long time ago. That's something that DOJ takes very, very seriously. when. Okay. And when you look at historical precedent, when you look at other cases like this one, it's not some sweetheart deal. Um, but then he mentioned Trump. And this is a narrative. Then we have one more clip to get to of Kevin McCarthy with Monty Raju. Um, but it, it's a narrative that is so present right now. It's so annoying. Oh, the DOJ is trying to lock up the political opponent of Biden. What that tries to do is to take the conversation away from what Trump is being accused of. Because if there was nothing substantive to what Trump was being accused of, then you could have a conversation about why are these charges being brought then? But the indictment is extensive in the evidence it brings forward. So then what is so enraging is that uh, individuals like Kim McCarthy refuse to just completely engage with the evidence, engage with the accusations. Because if they were to do that, then the conversation is no longer Hunter Biden got a sweetheart deal when he didn't and Trump is getting locked up, um, which we'll see obviously the whole, he has his, his due process and everything. But if that ends up happening and Trump was indicted, see that shows inherently there's something unfair. They couldn't do that because they would have to argue then, therefore uh, not enforcing the laws that Trump is being accused of violating, which they would never say they would never explicitly say no yeah i don't think we should enforce the espionage act i don't think we should enforce that or i don't think we should protect national security secrets they would never want to say that so it just has to be vaguely trump's being indicted and hillary's not yeah well what are the facts of the case uh here's another moment Congress has to have a right. We have the constitutional right to investigate and to oversee. And for any investigation that we have or any information we need, it can't now stand behind that there's an investigation going on. But there's two separate cases. I mean, the Trump case is involving alleged obstruction of an investigation, okay, alleged misstatements. This is a tax case and a gun case. These are two separate cases. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Why I'm, conflate them? I'm not conflating them. But they're alleging so he we, lied to investigators. We, that's we, that's we, the we issue. handle it different. Well, did... Did Hunter Biden lie about his taxes? Did Hunter, lie, Hunter Biden lie about the gun? Well, I don't know. He pleaded guilty to the situation, well, to those tax situations. Well, there's no, there's no time for him to serve. Remember, this will be no prison time, but they're trying to put President Trump in prison. That's what they're different about. cases. They're different facts. Talk about equal, equal justice. <laughs> what? You talk about equal justice. Is that what you think equal justice is, Kevin McCarthy? Okay, the uh, universe says if Trump is indicted, then that means some Democrat somewhere has to be indicted. <laughs> what? Oh, it's so unserious. It is so humiliating. Why? Why is that the narrative? And people have said this. Uh, I went, as you all know, to Miami to Trump's arrest and arraignment and talked to Trump's supporters. And one of them, actually a bunch of them, but one of them kept repeating, well, why hasn't Hillary been indicted? 
That's not how it works because Hillary didn't do the things or there wasn't evidence for her doing the things that Trump did. They didn't uncover the very criminal intent that it seems they're uncovering, uh, uncovering with Trump. And they didn't even ever get accused of the same things. Why are so that's one level of absurdity, the Hillary or Biden conflation with with Trump. A whole nother level of uh, conflation is saying that Hunter Biden should be compared with Trump's case. Hunter Biden was accused of evading his taxes for two years and lying on a federal uh, form about a gun. Trump's accused of, you know, keeping classified information he's not supposed to have, lying to federal authorities about having the classified information, uh, obstructing an investigation as they're trying to get back the classified information, um, and on and on, conspiring with other individuals to keep out of the hands of federal authorities these classified documents. And that compares to Hunter Biden how? That's as absurd as... um, you're accused for any crime and you start talking about someone's speeding ticket that 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 should justice should be served there too but just very different levels of justice unless they're saying that all the other cases that have ended in very similar deals as the hunter biden one has should have led to prison sentences which i don't think they would say can you imagine if trump did the very things um can you imagine if trump went to prison for evading his taxes they would go bonkers. I don't even know how that would work. but um, Or he lied on a federal form about getting a firearm and they put him in prison. They would go bonkers. Um, but dishonesty is inevitably going to lead to a humiliating moment like that one, I guess. We have much more on the other side of this break. One of our sponsors today is Fume. Not everything in a bad habit is wrong. So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad part from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award winning device that does exactly that. Fume is not electronic. There's no vapor or harmful chemicals. Fume is just a delicious flavored air that makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts, which is great for fidgeting, which can be great for people breaking bad habits. Look at what people online are saying. They weren't sure what to expect, but ended up loving the taste and the feel. Stopping is something lots of people put off because it's difficult to do. But switching to fume is easy and enjoyable. There's no reason that you can't be the next fume success story. Head on over to tryfume.com and use the code Pacman to save 10%. When you get the journey pack, which comes with the device and three flavors, that's tryfum.com. Code Pacman saves you 10% on the journey pack. The info is in the podcast notes. During a recent interview with Sebastian Gorka, Donald Trump continued to promise what he has been quite frequently recently, which is they're going to indict me. Well, I'm going to indict them then. Um, and I'll show you this moment and then we'll discuss really dangerous rhetoric. The numbers are through the roof. We're beating everybody by a lot and we're beating Biden by a lot. And one of the reasons it was interesting, somebody wrote a very strong piece the other day. I could tell you who, but let's not even use his name because perhaps you wouldn't want it. But wrote a very strong piece that they're afraid to have me back in. That's why they're doing the indictments up, because they don't want 
to be indicted. Now, I would do it only very fairly, of course. Mm, of course. But they don't want to be indicted. So they say, we can't let this guy win. But there was tremendous corruption on the other side. Don't forget, they spied on my campaign and we caught him. False. They did things that nobody would have believed. Then they had two fake impeachments that we won and so much else. Uh, the Mueller report, which showed no collusion at the end of two years, showed no collusion. And number. Okay. So uh, we also heard a similar sentiment during his recent Bedminster speech. In addition to closing the border and removing all of the criminal elements that have illegally invaded our country, making America energy independent and even dominant again, and immediately ending the war between Russia and Ukraine, I'll have it ended in 24 hours. I will appoint a real special prosecutor to go after the most corrupt president in the history of the United States of America, Joe Biden. And the entire Biden crime family. So what's fascinating is we've heard from uh, Republicans for a while now. We've talked about this a lot this week and even just on the show that there's this two-tier justice system designed to go after conservatives and benefit Democrats. And that's what Trump is a victim of. And the evidence they bring forward is not evidence. They don't bring forward evidence, I guess. It's just the accusation. Uh, very empty. And that is going to then be the justification to actually weaponize the government against people based on their political affiliation. And if Trump were to become president, he actually is committing to weaponizing his office to go after his political opponents, to go after the Biden crime family. It's not let the system play out. If there's crimes, investigate them. If there's something um, that is a clear viola violation of the law and has evidence for that that can be proven in a court of law, all that. Let the process play itself out. As president, I want to be um, separated from that. No, it's going to be, I'm going to figure out a way to get Biden locked up. And it's a similar thing we're seeing with this weaponization subcommittee within the House of Representatives, where it's, by its name, supposed to be looking into the weaponization of the federal government. Um but in reality, it's those individuals in their positions in the federal government weaponizing that position in the federal government to help Trump politically and to um, perpetuate these conspiracy theories about the FBI doing this thing and that thing and Twitter and uh, Jim Jordan trying to get involved in the Manhattan DA investigation in the name of investigating the we uh, weaponization of the federal government. They're weaponizing the federal government. And um, it's pretty terrifying thinking about the prospect of Trump using his position if, God forbid, he were able to get back into that position in that way. One other narrative that kind of was intertwined in that little clip you saw was one he also recently posted about on True Social. Here's a screenshot. It says Congress will hopefully now look at the ever-continuing witch hunts and election interference against me on perfectly legal boxes. Of course, that doesn't seem to be accurate. And what I've been warning of and talking about a good bit on my show, you can find that at Luke Beasley on YouTube. Definitely go check out my show if you uh, are liking what you're watching now. Is that Trump is preparing, similar to how he did before 2020, to claim election interference, there was fraud. But this time, while he'll probably include dead voters, and um, we talked about earlier in today's show, Ruby Friedman, or Freeman, 
and claims like that, the suitcases and ballot stuffing and big massive dumps of ballot dumps all over the place, he will probably make those claims as well. And on top of it, he'll say it was rigged if he loses to Joe Biden because of election interference. When in reality, what we're seeing is just Trump being held accountable for his violations of the law. It has been great being with you today. Um, One more reminder to check me out at Luke Beasley on YouTube. Make sure you are also subscribed to this YouTube channel, The David Pacman Show, and I will see you if you're a member on The Bonnie Show.